You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 371, we're discussing our most anticipated fall films and the Disney Plus effect on our favorite franchises. I'm your host, Tim. And I'm Ian. And Ian, my friend, it feels so good to be back here at the mics. It's been a relatively quiet weekend, Nerd, but we got a lot to discuss this week. Mm-hmm. And we're going to actually go a little bit beyond even what I talked about at the top, top there. We're going to bring in some T-Swift, some Taylor Swift into the discussion. And uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about some of the experiences that you had over the past couple of weeks, seeing TMNT and Ooh. Barbie, two of the best films maybe of this year we'll see what your opinion brings to the table here but my friend how does it feel to be back here in the nerd room we have settled back into our fall routine the unofficial end of summer has happened with all the kids going back to school routine returning to our lives in a very i think needed way especially for me and what that means is we're back here consistently at the mics but ian how are you doing this week my friend Good man. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's been a bit of a busy week, as you said. Like you know, kids have been back at school. I've kind of been back to work, um, not full time, but I've been having to get some stuff prepared and, and ready. So, yeah, man, it's been a bit of a busy week. Um, and yeah, especially for me, you know, coming back from the UK, I've been able to catch up on some stuff. So I've been trying to fill that time. And you know, with me living in Japan, it's quite difficult for me to to view the stuff on time that you guys get. Uh, such as movies, different release dates. And yeah, man, I've watched some biggies this this last week or so. And it's actually yeah, been a big, big week for movies for me. So it's been kind of busy. I know for a lot of people, it's kind of slow. There's not that much going on. Um, but yeah, it's good, good time for me to, to catch up on some stuff and share my opinions on it. So happy to be here to do that. And hopefully we can have a bit of fun talking about the things we like and maybe... Not like so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's pull on that thread before we talk about the fall films here and potentially what what Disney Plus's net effect is on Star Wars and Marvel, particularly as we kind of roll up towards the four year anniversary of Disney Plus being a part of our lives. Let's let's talk about some of those theatrical movies that you went and saw: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, and mm-hmm. Barbie. Two of the only handful of films I've seen this year. Go back a few episodes and check out my thoughts on TMNT as well as Barbie, as I saw them kind of in and around the end of July, there early August. But Ian, I got let's let's talk about let's start with Turtles because I know or I hope that you like this because you, like I, have a pretty deep rooted connection to, to turtles. And I know your, your kids are loving it, or at least they're getting into the turtles a little bit more in their lives. But how did you feel about this movie? I'm, I'm super curious here because like I said, turtles is such a big part of my life or was, and I had a lot of fun with this movie and I mm-hmm. really enjoyed kind of the nostalgic piece of it. But what's your opinion on this one? Um, well, I don't know if you can see here, with this t-shirt that I'm wearing, it has mutant mayhem printed all over it. And that should be a sign of, of how much I enjoyed this movie. 
Um, man, I'm not going to lie. I absolutely love this movie. Like, I've actually watched it a couple of times now. And, man, like, I just can't explain how much fun this movie is. I think, you know, they've really captured something really special with this movie. I do think that I am starting to gain a kind of strong love for a lot of animated stuff because it is mm. kind of very unique and it can be quite different. And, um, you know, I really love the the kind of stylized look of this. You know, I'm a big uh, Across the Spider-Verse fan. And while it's not on the same level as that, you know, the animation doesn't necessarily change so much throughout the movie and it doesn't really reflect moods. I really like what they're, they've really done, they've done with this um, in the way that they've kind of made it look very young and appealing and it's not perfect. And I mm -hmm. think that's a really, really good idea. It kind of captures this idea of, you know, these being teenagers, these being kids. Um, and yeah, like everything about the movie from start to finish, I was having such a good time. I left that movie with the biggest smile on my face. I think, you know, the voice acting in it is absolutely fantastic. I think the humor is, is spot on. Like I was laughing out loud. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't overly silly. It was quite clever. Um, I think the soundtrack was just just badass. There was some times yeah. where I'm just like punching the air, like, yo, I just want to dance. <laughs> um, and just seeing like the take on certain classic characters, you know, there are characters that even I'd kind of forgotten about a little bit and you see them and I'm like, whoa, look, look, it's him, it's yeah, him. Exactly. You know, and just seeing certain characters play that, having like Paul Rudd playing um, Mondo Gecko, um, yeah. who's really cool. Uh, and I didn't even know like John Cena was in it. So I, I totally missed that. Like Cena as, as Rocksteady. And... Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of dialogue in the movie. Yeah, they, he doesn't. Same with, with uh, Seth Rogen. I think Bebop and Rocksteady, they yeah. have their moments, but they're not kind of, big characters in this and what they do with them is quite different um it, it takes a different path but i kind of like that um ray filet man like <laughs> ray filet. it's just it's like so <laughs> it's so good um but yeah like everything about that movie was just really kind of spot on it was great seeing a different take on the turtles you know i, I went back and watched the the original cartoon and i didn't even realize like how small the turtles are in that. Like April is considerably taller than them. And I always kind mm. of expected the turtles to be the kind of same height just because their voices are a little bit more adult. Um, and yeah, I really the like... the 90s it. movie really projects that too because they're quite tall in that movie as they're well. They're quite tall in that, yeah. So I kind of like that idea of having them as kids. And it'll be interesting to see how they progress with this. Will they see? Will we see them grow up a little? Um, if they use the same voice actors, of course, there's going to be some changes in, in their voices and and uh their their maturity so yeah man like everything about it i know that you you said in your review you kind of the one thing that was a little difficult for you little disjoint was the the animation style yeah um, i had a hard time with it like it 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 just it just didn't land with me the same way that it sounds like it landed with you and i didn't like the ki big kaiju thing at the end oh, it just okay. wasn't, wasn't my jam yeah but I still yeah. love the movie and like the character pieces where it's really at for me, right? Like Bebop, Rocksteady, all like Mondo Gecko, Ray Filet, like all those characters are to me, that's the heart and soul of the movie. Mm -hmm. And of course the turtles, but the, some of the big bolted pieces on the side, it weren't just, wasn't my, wasn't my gem. Yeah. Yeah. I could see how that kind of, um, some people could be against some of those things or find slight issues. I think Sergio from uh, House of Nerd, he said the color grading, he found it a little bit dark, dark for him. Mm. And I can, I can see, I, I think it is very kind of stylized. I, you know, I think, you know, if 
you kind of know what they're kind of going for. You can kind of connect with it a little more. Um, but I can see for, you know, a lot of people, especially with a lot of the animated stuff that comes out now, how, you know, it could be a little hit or miss for some people. Um, I know a lot of people who don't really, aren't really big on animation movies and animation shows. And for me, I think that's one thing, like, I don't know, I've gotten into a lot of shows and like Arcane on Netflix is one of my favorite TV shows ever. And that's animated. Um, the last, was it the, the Puss in Boots? I think it's called The Last Wish um, was just a brilliant movie. And I couldn't, like, that was a massive surprise. Mm-hmm. And to get a Turtles movie that was animated kind of excited me because I thought, you know, this could be something special. It could be a big surprise for me. Um, and it was like, man, like it is probably my favorite turtles movie and oh yeah yeah i think the the 90s the 1990s like the first one is still by far my favorite turtles movie mm -hmm. but like from an animation perspective and like really capturing i think like as like a spiritual successor to those original 80s cartoons that we grew up on this is the closest it's ever been yeah i think so too and yeah i do think that's 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 a key thing like it does capture some kind of essence of those original movies and the, the original turtles and it does really kind of play on the fact that you know this is something that can be kind of enjoyed not just by children but by the adults by the yeah, parents exactly. and you know that just takes me back to the you know the the you know my, my childhood like playing the toys with my dad my dad likes turtles my dad made you've got this big piece of cardboard um from a supermarket it's like this big kind of billboard thing and on the back he did this massive he was big into arnie but did this massive poster for me of like the turtles oh, so cool. and i guarantee if i saw it now it probably wouldn't be as good as i remembered but like back then like i had that thing on my wall my dad was big on turtles and you know i was big on turtles just playing with the toys and i think and that's great. like him. the fact that you know i'm you know a middle-aged guy who can enjoy turtles now and my kids can enjoy it together i think that's yeah. that's something really special about these movies and i think that's that's why I kind of connected with this in, in such a strong way. Yeah. How about Barbie? Another nostalgic turn inside of the movie world, a, a toy that, you know, I saw growing up. My kids got lots of Barbies upstairs, but this was quite a unique take and maybe more of an adult spin on things. It's received high praise across the board for the most part. And I personally really enjoyed it i didn't love it it's not something that i was like rushing back out to see but i thought it was a pretty interesting and cool take on kind of barbie and going outside of that maybe little square box that a lot of franchise films have been sitting in for quite some time now and going out and telling kind of a different story a different take on something that could have been very very generic mm -hmm. and you got something quite unique about it what, what I, I saw your take a little bit online here yeah maybe veering a little bit towards the other side of the spectrum but yeah what, what was that and why is that uh well i i mean i don't want people to take this the wrong way like they i don't want people to think it's, I it's didn't. just an opinion it's just opinion. yeah it's well, it's, it's, opinion. <laughs> i think this is a difficult movie to criticize because of the themes and the intentions of the movie and mm -hmm. i think a lot of people who if you say you don't like this movie there's a lot of people who would say oh you didn't understand it or you, you know you're a bad person for not for not you know liking mm -hmm. this movie i think that's one problem that you might have with this movie for me it wasn't the themes and it wasn't the ideas that they were presenting because I think a lot of things were quite important it was more the execution for me that didn't really hit I found the movie quite silly and I think that's partly down to my sense of humor like yeah the jokes just didn't hit for me and it was just like it was a bit too over the top it was a bit kind of it was a bit too wacky at times 
like I get what it was going for and I get some of the ideas, but when they were actually doing some of the jokes, you know, some of, you know, Ryan Gosling and the way he was acting sometimes, I actually find it a little irritating more than entertaining. Interesting. And, and I think, you know, with this kind of movie, I think there are ways that you can have a good balance of, you know, presenting an important idea and, you know, something unique, but also having that entertainment value there. And for me, it it had the one side, but it didn't have the other side. Yeah. Like I just didn't really enjoy how certain things were presented. I didn't really, I felt like some parts got a bit tedious. Like I went to the cinema to watch it with my wife and my wife kind of nodded off part way into it. And I think after about <laughs> two thirds of the way in, like I was just like thinking, when's this, is this going to end? Cause I just felt like it was getting a bit repetitive and we were just getting these things, these ideas thrown at us, but I just didn't feel it just, for me, it just, I just didn't feel the progression alongside the entertainment in, yeah. in a way that I, I find it, you know, enjoyable. So yeah, like it didn't really work for me. I also think that I've, I think with this movie, it also depends where you're from and the kind mm -hmm. of world that you've grown up in. You know, for me, I'm not someone who's really, the countries I've kind of grew up in and the environments, I'm not really familiar with, you know, some of the ideas that they present in this, you know, the way that they present men as being, um, it's kind of a clever way that they do it in it's kind of a role reversal in, in the Bar Barbie world. But, you know, they, they kind of present men in a certain way. And, you know, some of the ways that men were acting in this movie is just, it is disgusting, but it's not something that I, I see. Yeah. You know, it's something that you would maybe expect, you know, 50 years ago or something like that, but it's not something that I, I regularly see now, not something that I ever see, you know, I've, I don't really see that form of inequality. I don't see, you know, women being objectified in my daily life and in my surroundings. But, uh, you know, speaking to other people, speaking to some of my American friends who are in America now, and them explaining to me that, you know, this is actually something that is happening all the time and something that they yeah. do see all the time. And, you know, just looking at the current state of certain countries like America, and you know, the way things have things happen in those countries might not be something that's kind of I'm as aware of. Yeah. So therefore when you watch this movie, it f might feel exaggerated or it might feel fake. Whereas to other people, to women maybe living in America or certain areas of America, they can make that connection and think, you know, this is a very important movie. So I think I'm not going to say the movie is a bad movie because I don't, I just don't think it's something that connected with my sense of humor, my, type of um enjoyment in terms of entertainment and maybe my understanding of certain issues that are that are happening in the world yeah no that's fair and like it really comes down to like the resonation and me living you know in a part of the world where again you have to remember too some of some of those issues that they speak on too are, are less than a generation out from happening and 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 like that's when Barbie was invented and all that. And so I think, yeah, the resonation of some of those themes and that might might not translate across the, the globe in the same way. And I think that's kind of what you're speaking to. And like even the goofiness part of it. And I think some of it had to be like that on purpose. But you take all of Will Ferrell's stuff mm -hmm. like it's like all of it's absurd, but it's. I think by design because it's kind of an absurd concept to try to push Barbie back into Barbie world. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. I, I I originally, you know, when you look at it, you're like, oh, does Barbie exist 
inside of the real world. And they've kind of found this like interesting way to translate it across while also kind of touching on on themes and all that that clearly resonate with with a lot of people because you know the movie is immensely popular and yeah, there's been a lot of commentary around um those themes and and how it was tackled and how it brought some of that to light and so i, I think it's an important movie but like like i said it's just like what we do here is opinions man you just throw it out there there's no there's no worry of of like you can not like things that that's very very appropriate and that's probably what we're going to get to down the stretch here as we get into the fall movie season you know as barbie and tmnt are coming to the end they're kind of at towards the tail end of our summer summer movie season we are in fact moving into the fall and early winter season as we get towards the end of 2023 here and traditionally around this time like you said and especially with the current strikes going on we don't have a lot of massive tentpole releases left inside of this year Mm-hmm. And we've got an interesting slate that's going to run us through until the end of December here, where we do start to pick up some of the pace a little bit. But before we get into kind of some of the most anticipated movies for you and I throughout this last couple of months of the year, I just want to touch on one pretty incredible thing. And that is the Taylor Swift era's film that is coming out on October 13th. I'm not sure exactly when this was announced that this will be coming out. And it has a very unique release in the sense that the Swifts have completely bypassed studio distribution and made a deal directly with AMC to put this film in theaters. So they've made this entire film. They invested their own money into it. They created it. (laughs) They pulled it together. They produced it and they, solidified their own distribution deal with the movies completely bypassing everything and anything to do with the studios and what's even more remarkable at that not only is this a self-financed film yes they do have quite a bit of cash to do that but it also became the highest grossing pre-sale tickets within 24 hours for a film of all time, raking in about $26 million in its first 24 hours, unseating Spider-Man No Way Home and finishing ahead of the likes of Infinity War and Endgame and all of these huge movies that we've had in the past. Taylor Swift Eris now sits at the top of that ladder, and they're now even predicting that this movie could potentially be the biggest opener of the year raking in between 100 and $150 million. As this thing builds momentum, mm-hmm. it could compete for that top seat alongside Barbie, which raked in $155 million, that film we just talked about there. So Taylor Swift is, is coming in, not only having one of the most epic and profitable and most successful tours, musical tours of all time. She's going to come in here and potentially walk away with the title of biggest opening weekend of all time. And I could, to put this into perspective, probably by the end of this week, this movie will have made well over $50 million in pre-sale tickets, which already eclipses or and nears the Flash's total domestic run of $55 million or yeah, $57 million or something to that effect. And, or no, that made $100 million. Sorry, that was its opening weekend. But essentially, it's going to match the opening weekend of The Flash. No problem. Absolutely mm-hmm. no problem. And it's probably going to outgross most superhero movies in their opening weekend. You know, the biggest one is, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy. I believe, you know, it's a sp- into the Spider-Verse, across the Spider-Verse, I should say, at $120 million. So there's a chance that Taylor Swift's going to completely obliterate all of the comic book movies that we talked about here throughout the year. And only a short few years ago, we're untouchable. 
And now we've got three films in Barbie, Super Mario Brothers, and likely this Taylor Swift movie that are going to far eclipse the opening weekends of the majority of the comic book movies of this year, which is pretty wild when you put that into perspective. Yeah. That, and it's almost like we, we've kind of provided a bit of commentary for this. We're seeing a real changing of the guard throughout this year, and that's reflected in our box office fantasy pool that we've done with the Vigilante guys. It's just this the, the tent pulls and the surefire hits from even a box office perspective of superhero movies has dramatically changed for this year, maybe up until we get to the fall here. So any thoughts on, on Taylor Swift kind of coming in here, dropping this release date, chasing every other movie away from middle of October and just getting ready to own the cinema without the studios. Yeah. Like it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, you, you kind of introduced, me to this just before the podcast and um i've seen like little things about it on on twitter on social media um but man like it's it's pretty insane i think there's so many things there's so many factors that you can kind of uh use as evidence to support why this would be such a big success i think as as you said you know the the way that people are looking at movies and looking at going to the cinema and the, the things that they find entertaining is definitely changing people are looking for those new experiences, you know, going into a, a movie theater and watching a concert of, of somebody that they, they love. Um, I can see why that would be appealing. Uh, and you know, me, like I, I could not name a single Taylor Swift song. Like I, I know she's successful, but like, I just don't know anything about Taylor Swift and her, and her music. Um, so for me, it might come as a surprise, but you know, even my, my, I teach, you know, Japanese university students and so many of them are huge Taylor Swift fans. Mm -hmm. So much so that, you know, I actually put, you know, images of Taylor Swift in my PowerPoint slides <laughs> just to keep the students entertained and keep them attentive in class because a lot of people do love her and I can I can totally understand why, you know, this this would be a big success. Um I, I did a thing when I, I was doing like a quiz and I was looking at the the most uh, the the biggest fan bases in the world now, and you know you might think of things like back in the day, like the Star Wars fan base or you know Harry Potter, and actually a lot of these musicians are taking over. Like is it oh, yeah. BT BTS is the biggest, apparently the biggest fan base in the world, and that just that's crazy. Like I'm thinking, yeah. but there are more BTS fans than Star Wars fans. I so, think like like by a humongous margin, I would guess. Like yeah, humongous. Yeah, and it's crazy that like, I mean, we live in different times, and I think you know us as old fogies don't always understand that that these times are changing. What young people like these days, and what general audiences like these days is. Well, I don't know about your different. girls, but my house has always got Taylor Swift going oh, really? on. Like they can they can sing half of the songs, and she has a, a very interesting history with her music, too, because she lost the rights to it, mm -hmm. or they got sold from out underneath her, and they tried to buy them back, and the person at the bottom wouldn't give them to her. And so, like, radio play and all that, she wasn't making any money from her songs that she had wrote and sang, and then she went and re-recorded all of them, effectively making the original masters useless or worthless, and the radio now plays her iterations of those songs that she recorded. Yeah, I think like 10, 15, 20 years later. But and I, I think what this also speaks to me when I look at this, too, is that there's clearly a massive underserved market. And with Barbie and, and Taylor Swift that 
has been ignored for a long time. And that, that could arguably be like the, the female population, you know, mm-hmm. they, they compose 50% of the potential viewing audience. And it seems that, that maybe they're an underserved demographic and I don't know the numbers behind all of it, but it seems that when you're looking at these movies, people are looking for originality. They're looking for something to connect to. There's more meaningful and deep like that era's tour. Two examples. One, I saw today that it's looking the revenue from that tour alone is looking to be about $2 billion from a a tour. And in Canada, they announced a couple, well, dates for, I think it was six back-to-back shows in Toronto, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like the center of the universe of Canada, if you will. There was 33 million people on the wait list. And Canada has a po- like there's Americans, of course, on the wait list, but Canada has a population of 38 million people. That's insane. That's, <laughs> That's insane. like how many people were trying. <laughs> like my wife was like online trying to get them. She's like, if we get them, we're flying to Ontario and whenever it is. I can't remember when when the show is, but like it's it's absolutely insane. The power power of Taylor Swift. And it's really cool to see them kind of self-produce, make a distribution deal with AMC get this movie in and potentially take that title. Like no one knew that this movie was coming out this year, but even if at the start of the year, I don't know if they would even gotten picked in a box office pool and let alone be like probably the biggest opening. It might not be the biggest film of the year, but it potentially has the, the, the legs to go and, and be a, a substantial hit, which is absolutely wild. Your surefire hits this year were of course the Marvel's Marvel movies and all that but it's just not coming to fruition. But when I talk Ooh. about kind of that underserved demographic and I, and I, and I'm curious here because when, as we get into the fall movie season, there's, there's a lot of, this is usually not traditionally kind of the most hyped part of the release schedule. You get some stuff in November. And of course the end of December is always a big window, but I just looked up Fandango's most anticipated list for this year and they polled about 2000 moviegoers and it was just something that kind of caught my eye. The number one or the 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 two I guess top most anticipated are the Marvels yeah. and the Hunger Games, both of which have a very strong female presence in them as well. Yeah. And and so like I I I don't, I don't know, am I picking up on a trend here? I don't know. I would be I'd love for someone to provide some commentary around this, but you know, when you go down this list, you've got things like The Equalizer and Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, Expendables 4, An Exorcist movie, Saw 10. Aquaman and Wonka weren't even on this list of most anticipated. Like, I don't know if people even know they're coming out. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know Hunger Games had been promoted that much. But I guess I that, saw does, it. that does appeal to the younger generations. It does appeal to a wider audience. I think, like, families as well. Like, we, I mean, stuff like Mario... Barbie people were still taking their kids to go and see Barbie mm-hmm. and even teenagers. So I think, as you said, you know, the female audience, um, also the the family audiences, people yes. being able to go out in big groups, you know, with their kids and see these movies also having a big impact. Um, but yeah, man, some of those movies, I, I didn't even, I didn't even realize they were getting any traction, especially Hunger Games. It, it actually looks, I saw, I think it was in front of TMNT that I saw the trailer for it. And it's one of those ones that like was completely off my radar. It actually looks kind of cool. Like mm. I, I enjoyed the hunger games movies. I, I read the books when it, it was all super popular and all that. And it, it's kind of an origin movie. It's called the ballad of songbirds and snakes. And it goes into, it looks like what's the, what's the main guys. 
what's his name? I don't know. Right. The, the president or whatever, the dude that dresses all in white and has the flowers and everything. Yeah. It, it's his, his origin story to a degree and kind of the origin story of the hunger games and everything like that. And so it actually looks quite interesting. It looks rel- relatively well made too. So I'm sure it's actually going to, it's actually going to do quite cool or be quite cool throughout this. Yeah. But it, it's probably of, I'd probably agree. Like, I honestly don't have a huge amount of anticipation personally for the likes of Wonka or Aquaman. Yeah. The Marvels is for sure my top one. And this Hunger Games one, I don't know if I head to the theaters, but it'll definitely be something that, that I do catch. You know, maybe we can start introducing some of the stuff to my oldest. I think my youngest is still a little young for those movies there. It doesn't, I don't think the Hunger Games particularly qualifies as like a family movie like it's got quite yeah. dark tones inside it's of quite it, right? dark tones it can be a little scary like i yeah. i don't remember all all of the movies but i mean they can get a bit violent and the, the stuff that happens to people is it's yeah, oh, yeah it definitely aimed to a kind of older teen teen audience i think yeah are you a, are you a a horror guy like do you like the scares and like the saw movies the exorcist movies like <laughs> It, oh, yeah. Like this, 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 this time of year too is especially like you get all those, like that horror genre really comes as you know as we get towards Halloween and all this kind of stuff. October is generally in one of those one of those areas where you see a lot of these movies. Is that is that at all a genre that that you dabble in? I I mean I watch horror movies, but I'm not someone who like a lot of our friends who kind of really big into to horror and. Um, you know the stuff that's like super gory and, and that like it's the saw stuff this, like I mean like saw I, I mean saw was one that I wasn't really kind of excited for and people were talking about when it first came out and when I watched I re- did really enjoy it but there's so many scenes in those movies that I just I don't find it enjoyable watching people sticking needles in their face and stuff like no, it's not at all <laughs> So yeah, like I know there are some horror movies coming out. There's there's a Pet Cemetery movie coming out, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like for me, they're not something that kind of excite me. There's something that I, I kind of put on. I know the guys at the Gathering of the Geeks, like the Hell, the new Hellraiser movie, and I tried to watch that, and you know, it it just, it, I don't know. It's like it, it reminds me of like roller coasters. You know, there's mm. some roller coasters here that are insane. And I spend most of the time in the queue just like panicking. And then most of the time actually on the ride, you know, worrying as you're going up. And then the thrill of the ride going down is exciting. But like I just have every time thinking, was it worth it? Like the majority of yeah. the time I hated that experience. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. <laughs> and it's the same with the horror. Yeah. Like I spend most of the movie wanting not to look at what I'm watching. Yeah. 100%. To try and get through. <laughs> Just to say that you watch it, like I have chronicled on this podcast from day one that I, it's just not for me. I do not like being scared. I do not like gore. And I'm like, you, I, that is like, that analogy is bang, like the best I've ever heard. It's like, yeah, you, you have, you have this experience that let's say it's 60 minutes long. The ride is 30 to 80 seconds or 90 seconds long. And the rest of the time you spend in those like tense ball of like either pissed <laughs> off that it's taking too long to get to the front of the line or you're scared about the ride. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. uh, what about the Marvels? What about the Marvels for you? How's Marvels. that looking for you from a, Mar- the, from the kind of MCU side of things? You know, the last time we, we saw, what was the last MCU movie that dropped? 
that came out guardians of the galaxy of course we had anime of the wasp and you know we had across the spider verse we've had some pretty strong marvel entries this year save i guess ant-man and man and uh, the wasp quantum media but where's where's the marvels kind of sitting for you in this kind of frame of of the mcu and and what we've seen and kind of some of the ebbs and flows in in quality or reception of the mcu over the past couple of years through phase four and phase five yeah, I think I'm quite like you. Like I'm someone who kind of rushes to see the Marvel stuff, and I I mm-hmm. do like I I I enjoy it all. Like I'm I'm someone who I'm not overly critical of a lot of the Marvel stuff. I see it as kind of kind of fun, connected yeah. entertainment. Um, you know, I've I've talked about this before. You know, I'm I really enjoy like the the Black Widow movie and and Shang Chi, and I I I enjoy all of the the movies that I've seen. Me too. Um, of course, I put Guardians three on on a very different level that that movie's just a masterpiece for me and I absolutely love it. But even the Marvels, the Marvels really excites me. And I think for me, the big thing is, is the, the three leads that are in this movie and them coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really like Brie Larson and I, I, I liked her as, as Captain Marvel. And I, I think they've kind of picked up on some of the criticisms and they've tried to make it a little bit more fun just seeing from the trailers. Um, and man, like she looks absolutely stunning in that pink in that white uh tank top in that movie like that's that's <laughs> that's why i'm going to see it um but even Villani as uh as as miss marvel i think again like i didn't love the show i enjoyed it um but i do think as a character she was definitely a standout and i'm really excited to see yeah her interacting with you know characters that we do know um and and people that we've kind of grown up to like um, and even Monica Rambeau's character, like I saw her recently in a in a movie called They Clone Tyrone, which is an f- excellent Netflix movie. Really recommend it, recommend that. And she was amazing in that too. So I think those those three leads um, will make that movie something really fun and really 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 good. And whether it has to connect to it, stuff that we've seen before, if it has to progress the story, you know, I, that's not what I'm really going for. I'm going for the the fun marvel feel i'm going for the the likable cast and and roles and i'm going for to see you know something that i don't have to think too much about but i can you know have a really enjoyable cinema experience um as i do with pretty much every single marvel movie i've seen so yeah yeah it's it's interesting because the next topic we're going to get to here is is disney plus and that's something that of course we talk about a lot but as you're talking about the marvels and that kind of being, at least for for both of us, one of the movies that we're for sure going to go check out in the theaters. It probably has the most dependence on Disney Plus as far as like the connected storytelling than mm-hmm. any movie that's ever come out. So you have WandaVision connects to it with with Monica. You have Miss Marvel. You have Secret Invasion because Nick Fury's last appearance. Yeah. And so you have like three of the, you know, whatever dozen shows, 10 shows or so that we've got, they're going to have some, whether it's supplemental or additional or introductions of some of these characters and kind of that connected storytelling is, is really going to be impacted by the presence of, of Disney plus and the Marvels is, is going to either suffer or be celebrated for that. And it's going to be interesting to get on the other side of it to see, is this stuff required watching? Like, will you understand all of this if you haven't spent the dozen or so hours to consume 
these three different shows to get some of the nuances of the characters or the connected piece of it. Or, and this is my hope is that the movie does to degree stand on its own when it does a little bit of work to say, Hey, here's this character. Here's an introduction of Miss Marvel. You want more, you got to go back over here, but you don't necessarily need to do that. I think that's what they really have to strive towards. But one of the questions I want to put out there and something that's kind of rattling around in my brain over the last little bit, as I was thinking about the Marvels and how many shows are actually building into this is Disney plus it's been around for almost four years. I think mid November is when it dropped in 2019. And we're at a point now where it's become such an integral part of storytelling in two of our most favorite franchises. And that's the MCU and star Wars. And I wanted your opinion four years out here and we can definitely elaborate on all this is has Disney Plus been a hindrance or a help? Has it been successful or has it been detrimental to these various brands? Like if we look at the MCU to start with, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. By the time we get to Loki, nine different MCU shows that have dropped since 2020 over the course of whatever that is three years. So nine different shows, you add all that up. That's, you know, over well over a hundred hours of content that we've gotten from there. When you go on to the star Wars side of things from a live action perspective, what do we have three seasons of the Mando book of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan and or Ahsoka. Now that we are currently watching that's seven in itself. And so Mm. that's a substantial amount of content when you really start to break it down. And in your opinion, as a fan, not as a critic, not as anything like that, as a fan, has it been detrimental or has it been something that you've really enjoyed in addition to the typical theater-going experience that we got that built all of these brands up? Yeah, for me, as if we're going for, you know, as a fan, like, I, I absolutely adore Disney+. Plus. Like mm-hmm. I, I've actually enjoyed like everything that we've been given. Um, and if you just go back and just look at the Marvel shows that we've watched, you know, the experiences that we've had because of, of this mm-hmm. streaming service, you know, WandaVision was just such a great time and it was such a positive time for kind of the nerd community and just everybody talking about it and looking yeah. forward to watching it week by week. And that's not something that you can always get from movies. You know, you have that anticipation leading up to a movie, but it's not something that's consistent and that's that's ongoing. And it's true that you know you might get there might you might get some fatigue, you might get too much of something. But you know, I don't think there you can complain about being spoiled. And like, you know, the Star Wars one for me has been is has just been incredible. Like the Mandalorian, Andor, Ahsoka. You know, all the animated stuff that we've been getting through through um, Disney Plus has just like filled our lives with entertainment. And yes. as a fan, you know, it's just been so, you know, I just love jumping on Twitter and just people talking about it. I haven't seen the latest episode of Ahsoka because I was working this morning. Man, I put on Twitter and I had to turn it off immediately because <laughs> everybody is going crazy about it. People are saying it's the best episode of Star Wars that they've seen. Like people are going nuts. People are saying Filoni's done it, you know, and there's all these posts and all these these GIFs and stuff. 
And man, you wouldn't have that if you didn't have these streaming services. You'd have these movies that you look forward to. And people can say, as I said, there's, you might get fatigued by getting too much stuff. But I remember going back to the time of like Iron Man 3 and Thor Dark World and the Ant-Man movie. And people were talking about fatigue then from those yeah, movies. Yeah, 100%. Like, because, oh, it's over, it's done. That's it. People, <laughs> because the movies weren't that good or not as many people were enjoying them, people immediately started saying it's fatigue. And I think, you know, that's not, it's, it's, that's not how it works. You know, there's going to be lulls in, in, in entertainment. You know, the thing with the, the MCU, the, the, the way the stories are going, it can't always be peak. It can't always be incredible. And, you know, you're going to have these dips and man, they'll, they'll come back. And I think that's one great thing that these streaming services give us. Um, they give us that ability to week by week, have some fresh entertainment. We can access it when we want, we can access it if we want, um, and yeah, there might be some problems with watching a movie and not having that connectivity if you haven't watched the shows. I think that will be a slight issue with the Marvels, but it's there for you, man. Like, it's there for mm-hmm. you to watch whenever you want to watch it. You don't have to watch the movie on, on day one. You know, here is, you know, creators giving you the opportunity to to hear their stories and enjoy their movies and their shows from the comfort of your home or go to the movie theaters and then watch the, the bigger theatrical releases. And like, I don't, I don't know how anyone can complain about that. You know, I, I find it, I find it, I think we're very lucky. It's kind of peak right. entertainment. I'm right there with you, man. Like there's been, there's been times when I've looked and said like, Oh, this, this wasn't executed the way that, it, you know, maybe I would, I thought it was going to be, or it didn't resonate with me maybe in the way I thought it would. But ultimately when it comes down to it, when I look at what we've gotten through Disney plus the character progression and development, the introduction of characters, like we would have never have gotten half of this stuff. It was, it was just being purely or the story being purely told on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And Yes, of course, there is some missteps inside of here. But ultimately, when I look at the MCU, I look at it as like the sum of its parts creates something special. Not every single second of the MCU, like you said, is peak cinema or peak storytelling. But when you take some of the bigger pieces, some of the important moments out, and you stroll, you, you, you string those across, you've got something really special inside of there. And I think more so than ever, the MCU is reflecting because of Disney plus a true comic book style of storytelling Mm. where you're doing it through issues, six issue arcs, what have you. And you're telling me like as a comic book reader or as any comic book reader out there, that every single issue of every single comic book that you've ever read is peak entertainment is peak comic book writing. No, like any, you go through a six issue arc. What do you get? A couple good issues, like really, really standout issues. Mm, and some exactly. of the other ones are fluff. Some of the other ones are bridges to from A to B or whatever. And so I really look at it that way. And I look at the ability to tell some really unique stories like WandaVision and Loki and even the likes of like Moon Knight or She-Hulk, like a completely different take or at least tonal take on an MCU property I thought like was was really cool and I'm so excited to see where Disney Plus goes and I think you know at times yeah maybe it you know the MCU is 
you know, it had this standard that it set for itself. And it's only because it's comparing itself to itself that maybe people are seeing this as like, it's not where it was. And even the idea and concept of, is it too much? Do you, are you relying on going from Disney plus to the, to the big screen and all that? But you have to reflect and remember that one of the biggest movies of all time, the biggest opening of all time was a movie that required you to watch 22 movies to understand the entire movie or at a minimum it required you to invest you know tens of hours into a series of films to understand relationships and the importance and the emotional tethers that come through with the death of iron man and all that kind of stuff like people made that investment once and yeah this is hundreds of hours of content that has been now put in front of us but i think ultimately it's all for the betterment of 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 us you know we're getting that entertainment and star wars has found a new a new lifeline in disney plus and storytelling yeah like not everything is perfect i don't love everything but the mandalorian and andor ahsoka like these are stories that would have never really been told in this capacity and in this way in the absence of disney plus and yeah i mean also without those just think if the mandalorian didn't exist like if that show never existed where would the star wars fan base be like where would the community be like Mm -hmm. you know we had the the sequel movies and they weren't kind of widely loved by everybody um and you'd just be sitting around wondering like what's you know what is going to come next and what are they going to do next and what you know these shows gave them the ability to do at lucasfilm is tell different stories and kind of branch out and have things that People don't have to watch, but, you know, they have these these movies, these shows there for people to kind of jump in. And I think it has brought a lot of new fans in, you know, just mm-hmm. looking at, at my wife. Like, my wife never watched Marvel's movie. I think we went to watch um, the first Iron Man movie when we were, like, traveling somewhere back in the day. And I was always talking about, you know, the MCU movies and, and the stuff that was going on. And because of Disney Plus, she had access to all of those movies and those shows. And she started to watch them and she could watch them in their own time. She could watch them all together if she wanted to. And then she just fell in love with this universe. And now she walks around wearing, you know, Thor t-shirts and she said Spider-Man <laughs> mugs. And, you know, she's been brought into this and it's something that you wouldn't have access to and you wouldn't have that ability to do if you know, these companies weren't creating all of this content and, mm. and, and entertaining us and making stuff that appeals to different people. You know, She-Hulk might not have been that popular with a lot of people, but it did appeal to a, a kind of, you know, a group of community, a community of people who really connected mm-hmm. with that that show. Um, and it did, you know, aim towards a different target audience. And again, that's something that you can't really do in movies. You can't release a movie which is only going to, you know, appeal to a certain small amount of people. Whereas with a TV show, something that maybe has a slightly smaller budget or something which is a little lower production can do that. And I think that's that's important in, in entertainment. So, yeah, I think, again, we are spoiled and I think we should all be happy about that and we should continue enjoying this stuff and not always be too critical. Don't always ask for the best stuff all of the time because... It's just not possible, man. <laughs> it's it's literally impossible. And like like we always say, it's okay to to not like something, but it's not okay to tell someone else that they can't like something. Yeah. If you see what I mean. Like 
it's 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 like not that's what i've loved about disney plus is that for for all its its ebbs and flows it's given me the ability to continue to immerse myself in these different universes in these different franchises in different ways and it can be at my own pace it could be every single tuesday on 10 on tuesdays i could be wait and binge through the series you know when loki arrives i'm going straight there every single friday i think it comes i think they're going back to fridays for fridays yeah and you know what i mean and like something like agatha which is now titled the dark hole diaries it's on its third title might be something that i just wait and binge through and Mm. so that's another cool aspect of disney plus is that you get to kind of choose the pace at which you consume and so i think ultimately you know the only reason i brought this up is because you know sometimes i see you know there's a lot of criticism thrown at these these particular things and we're on a particularly i think good streak here with ahsoka happening we got loki coming up here and i've always appreciated you know the fact that yes not everything is perfect but like i said the sum of its parts i think make a pretty cool connected universe and that's something that that i've always loved watching unfold and so for me i think disney plus is is definitely been to the benefit of these franchises on a holistic sense and i think when you start to smash together like a rebel moon-esque trailer of the mcu you start to and you're seeing the sum of its parts coming together you're like yeah this is pretty badass i'm gonna go rewatch moon night now yeah i i totally agree and i think as well like people forget that things have to fail for them to to get better like the good thing with these these shows and some of these movies not doing so well is that the creators are looking at these you know the guys at, at Disney, the guys at Marvel are, are watching and, and they make those changes. They they see what kind of does appeal to people and they do see what kind of target audiences are connecting with these, what they're creating. And and then they evolve, they create something different, they create something new. And we see that, you know, something like the Spider-Verse and we might start seeing in the future more animated movies, you know, where we get to see things that are a little bit more original. We might get to see you know, TV shows which are kind of independent and individual because they they realize that people don't want to have that connectivity all of the time, and yeah. and they and that has to happen. Like by giving us more content, they get to see what works and what doesn't, and then they get to create something better or something more appealing to a wider audience in the future. And I think that's that's something we'll see. I mean, they they're clearly making changes. You know, with what's oh, yeah. going on with the with Secret Wars and, and direction of that, because they're seeing how things are going, and and you know, I think that's 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 a good thing. We can't always get perfect perfect stuff, and we will always get bored of stuff. And it takes us to get bored and us not to like stuff for stuff to evolve and, and become better. I mean, just look at the movies we grew up with as kids. You can't watch half of those movies these days because <laughs> this stuff. And back then we thought it was incredible. Like stuff has to change and stuff has to, you know, become bad before it gets good. Yeah. And I think it's like that fail fast mentality, right? And I think they can really do that in that experimentation phase on Disney Plus. It's that like taking the budgets out of things like that's a whole different story. But when you're talking yeah. about like creative tone and story arcs and how they develop. And like you said, evolve things, you know, they're kind of in this kind of fill fast mode is what characters resonate with people, what characters don't, how do we tweak things, who gets pushed up into the big screen? 
how do we how do we evolve a young avengers movie how do we evolve the next avengers movie we only have a handful of movies to build into that and like you said the 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 shifts in how they're approaching things are, are really coming to light given the fact that a lot of creators have been pushed off projects like i think the original writer Jeff Loveness and a few of the others that were doing some of the Avenger stuff have been subsequently, you know, given their walking papers to a degree, uh, parted ways with Marvel. And I think it's just, it's all like you said about that evolution. I think Disney plus has really contributed to eventually making these things better. And then also giving us characters that we probably would have never gotten like Moon Knight. When does Moon Knight show up? When does She-Hulk properly show up? You know what I mean? Like, and so these characters are now players on the board and that's because of Disney Plus. So there is your conclusion from the Nerd Room, guys, that uh, Disney Plus is, of course, a massive benefit to both Star Wars and Marvel. And we really look forward to, to seeing what's next. Like I said, we've got Ahsoka running right now into October, early October, just a month away. We've got Loki and uh, all kinds of fun stuff going up here in the not-too-distant future. But, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time for, for Ian and I to, to send off. It's getting late here on my side, Ian. It's midday for you. And it's Ahsoka and, time, man. I'm just, I'm just, I'm shaking here. I'm shaking. I'm like, I've got to stop talking. Get off your goddamn freaking Marvel soapbox and let me go watch Ahsoka. <laughs> All right, man. It's always a pleasure. And we want to thank you guys out there that plug in every single week with us and listen to the nerd room. Listen to us muse about the things that we love and the things that hopefully you love too. So if you got any opinions you'd like to share at any point in time with Ian and I, you can always email us at the nerd at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net. And you can always find us here on Thursdays. We're going to be moving to that bi-weekly schedule that we talked about next week starting in October. But for the next couple of weeks, of course, you're going to get lots more nerd room content. And we're going to do some exploration over the next couple of weeks of, of some movies and stuff like that. So that's something that we'll talk about next week, but just to tease that a little bit. So with all of that being said, my good friend, Ian, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm Ian. And thank you guys so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net and The Nerd Room YouTube channel.